Merry Christmas, everybody. That was kind of lame. Let's try that again. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. That's better. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be with you. Some of my favorite nights of the year, just to see folks gathering, to see families together. One thing I'm trying to catch tonight is to see who traveled the farthest to be with us tonight. Okay, so I'm going to include college students back from college. So I know we have a Tampa in the room, and I know we have a Phoenix in the room. So can anybody beat Phoenix tonight? Anybody come from farther away than Phoenix? What are we talking? California. California. Yep, we're beating it. Where in California? Uh, L.A. L.A. All right, we've got L.A. Anybody further than L.A.? It's pretty good. I think L.A. won. Give it up for L.A. right here. All right, that's good. So I really thought I, there was a Seattle last service. I thought that was going to win. But Seattle got beat by Turkey. So that was pretty impressive. And then afterwards, I was told in the foyer that I didn't see a hand waving in the back, a couple from Zimbabwe. So there we go. So, but you're still good, L.A. I'm glad you're here. So, but here's the deal. Like, um, when you hear a lot of the Christmas songs, a lot of the themes around Christmas, it's just how good it is, like, to be back together, be home for the holidays. You know, that's a, that's a theme. And so just being together is something we really celebrate here and that I'm excited about tonight. But then... That also kind of like the flip side of that is true. Like sometimes it's sad. Like so sometimes your kids get older, right? And they get married and you got to trade off like with in-law families about do you get to see them this Christmas or next Christmas and that kind of thing. Or, or even I just know within our church family, uh, there's been a lot of sad stories where, you know, a seat that maybe was filled around Christmas time uh, just isn't going to be filled again, you know. And so uh, some of those kind of moments going on around here too. What we're here to celebrate though, whether we're, uh, in a season of joy or a season of some darkness tonight or some loneliness, we are here to celebrate the one who has come the furthest, like even farther than Zimbabwe, to come and be with us. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And when the prophets saw it 700 years before he came, uh, the name, one of the names they gave him was God with us. Like how awesome and beautiful it is that the creator of the universe wanted to come and be with us. So I know we got some kids in the house tonight. Kids, glad you're here. And so two things. If you're a kid, listen up. Okay, two things. Number one, I think that in places like this, that God has things to say to children that their parents might miss or grandparents might miss, aunts and uncles. So if you're a child, you consider yourself a child tonight, listen, uh, what is one big thing you really felt like God said to you tonight? And then I want you to share that with mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, an older sister or brother, okay? That's one thing. Second thing is this is a present. We're going to open this up at the end of my talk. 15 minutes-ish, and so I got to just give you a heads up. Somebody asked me, is Bubba in there? Bubba's my black lab. So no, I did not put Bubba in here, okay? So if you're waiting to see Bubba, it's not Bubba. He would not last that long in there. He'd be, we'd be seeing a lot of this right now, right? He'd want to be out there licking you right now, so that's not Bubba, but we're going to open that at the end. So, but I want to talk about this Jesus, and I want to talk about Jesus coming to be with us, and the Bible tells us about the story of Christmas in three of the four Gospels, okay? So you're probably more familiar with the Matthew version of the story of Jesus, talks about Joseph, talks about the wise men, and Matthew was writing to people that knew the Old Testament, and he showed a lot of connections between Old Testament prophecies and Jesus being born, like 500, 700-year gaps that these prophets were seeing Jesus come. So that's kind of Matthew's story. It's really a beautiful picture of the birth of Jesus. You flip over Mark, because Mark doesn't talk about the Christmas story, and you get to Luke. Luke was writing to somebody who had no idea 
I think, had little idea about the Old Testament or about Jesus. Like, it's all fresh to him. Maybe that's like some of you guys tonight, like you feel a little out of place in a church. But the Gospel of Luke tells a beautiful story about Jesus coming, and it's written to people that, again, this is all new stuff to them. So Luke tells it through the story of Mary, talks about shepherds, talks about Jesus in a manger, and talks about the angels coming to announce Jesus' birth. And it says it's good news, great joy for all people. And the next thing that happens in the story is that the lowest in that society, the shepherds, have the privilege to come and just right away enter into the presence of the Son of God born on earth. So Luke's message is like this gospel, this Jesus is for anyone, all right? So then we get to John. John is really interesting because it was written by one of Jesus' disciples named John, probably was Jesus' closest friend when he was on the planet. So you have a chance to write a gospel about your best friend and talk about him being God and come to earth. And so listen to how John tells the Christmas story, okay? The words will be up on the screen behind me. Here's how he tells it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Wow, imagine if you had to try to do a nativity scene around John's story. Like there's no shepherds, there's no camel, there's no wise men, there's no... Maybe you would just have a flashlight just shining, and that would be your nativity scene, right? It's just a very different way to tell the story of Jesus. But he's really telling us some beautiful things. And John told us the whole reason he wrote his gospel is so that we would know and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that we can have life in his name. So he didn't just go random on us. He's got a purpose for doing this. So let's just talk about this a little bit. Why did he call Jesus the Word? Why why didn't he just say Jesus in all those early verses? John was writing, maybe it's kind of like tonight. He was writing to two groups of people. One group knew the Old Testament, and they knew about when they heard Word of God, wow, they would think about when God spoke and everything came to be from nothing. Like when those people would hear Word of God, they immediately thought powerful, creative, bringer of life. And so they would hear that word like that. But then there was also an audience John was communicating with that maybe they didn't have a religious background. They certainly didn't know the Old Testament. Maybe they're more from a Greek philosophical concept. And there was the word, word that in the Greek language is logos. And if you were in that camp, when you heard the word, you immediately thought of this creative power, this energy in the universe from which life has come forth. So you wouldn't call it God. And I don't know if it's maybe Star Wars fans here, a little bit like the Force, but it would be that type of concept. And so John's using the, the word. In the beginning was the word. And so he's got everybody with him thinking these big thoughts about word. But then where he would blow everybody away was when he would get to verse 14 and he said this, the word became flesh and he lived among us. And we saw his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's right there that he would have everybody just like, whoa, what are you talking about? Like the word became a person, like the word became flesh. As you go on, that's where it starts dialing in. He's talking about Jesus. And so there's so many truths that he is telling us about his best friend Jesus, that Jesus is eternal. That means that when he showed up in a manger, that isn't when his life began. He was existent with God in eternity past. That this little baby that's here now in flesh uh, was the creator. All things were made through him. 
These are some staggering things that he's communicating to us about who Jesus is, that he's fully God, that he's existed for eternity past, and that he is the one who made all things, and that in him is life. And he shines that life like light, and darkness cannot stop it. Like he is here to bring life to a dark world. So, so many things he has communicated to us without mentioning a manger or a shepherd or an angel or a star, okay? So you got to ask a couple questions, and I guess here's the summary statement you could say, is that Jesus is the creator of the heavens, but we don't have to go to the heavens to find him. He came to earth to find us. That's what John's trying to let us know. God has come to earth to find us. So you could ask a couple questions. Well, how do we know? Like, how do you know this is true? This really happened, and John kind of brings himself into it. He says, we saw his glory. Like, you would think if, like, God would come and start living fully, if somebody on this planet was fully God, you think that person would stand out, right? And so that's what he's saying is, like, Jesus came, and he was full of glory, and we saw his glory. So as you read through John's gospel, you see miracles that Jesus told or things that he taught that were so profound in his day that he raised dead people. But the most profound thing he did that John was an eyewitness of is that Jesus rose again from the dead. And so, in fact, when John tells that, you can kind of tell this is kind of like guy humor a little bit because he's talking about the day he found the empty tomb when Jesus was killed on a cross, laid in a tomb, and then three days later rose again from the dead. John was one of the first two guys that saw the empty tomb. His friend Peter was in a race with him to get there. And John kind of lets us know, well, yeah, Peter and I ran, but I got there first. Like, I beat Peter, as if that's an important part in the detail of the greatest thing that ever happened in the world. He does slide that in there. By the way, on that race to see the empty tomb, I beat Peter. Say, but John apparently stopped at the door because Peter just barged on in, and John followed. What he saw just blew him away, that this place where they had laid the body of Jesus, now there was no body. In fact, you would think, okay, well, what happened? Did somebody steal that body? It's like, well, the answer is no, because one thing John saw was the grave clothes that they wrapped Jesus in were folded nicely on the place where his body laid. It's like his mom would be pleased. He folded his, his, you know, his, uh, you know, the wrappings after his death, and he just folded them there. Like, that was amazing detail that he saw. In fact, then he saw the resurrected Jesus, along with 500 other people. They spent 40 days with him. And then when Jesus went back up into heaven, you couldn't shut these guys up. Like, it's all they talked about. In fact, 11 of the 12 of Jesus' disciples were killed because they wouldn't shut up talking about a resurrection. And so there's a guy who was a skeptic to all of this. He was a journalist. He did all the investigation about, did this Jesus stuff really happen? Is Christmas really what they say it is? And he said this, ironically, it's the evidence for Easter that provided the decisive confirmation for me that the Christmas story is true. That freshly born baby in the manger was the unique son of God sent on a mission to be the savior of the world. And what's absolutely staggering is today, like John mentioned, we're worshiping with like two billion people that are also following Jesus because he is alive, because John said we saw his glory, okay? So how do we know this is true? How do we know Jesus really came and lived in someone? We saw his glory. And then you got to ask this question, well, why, why did he come? Because 
that might be, a, might be a scary answer. Like, okay, God came to earth. Like, is he mad? Like, is he, and uh, you, know, you don't have to dig very deep in my life, that if it's me and God and he's coming here to see me, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, should I celebrate or should I run and hide? Like, is he coming to hug me or is he coming to beat me down? Like, what, why did he come? And John made it really clear. I hope you caught it in verse 14, that Jesus came. He said he was full of and two beautiful words, you guys, that just give us so much hope. Jesus came full of grace and truth, all right? Full of grace and truth. Grace, you think of God's unmerited favor, like blessing goodness on people that don't deserve it. I'll be at the front of the line. You guys can go for whatever's next, but like we do not deserve goodness from God. That's the grace of God. Jesus came full of grace and then truth. So that means that when Jesus teaches it's absolutely right when jesus makes a discernment that we are a people living in darkness that we need a savior that we need life we need hope he is spot on in his assessment of us he is full of grace and he's also full of truth and i love the image where where john tries to paint a picture of how powerful jesus is in bringing light to dark places, okay? Later in the gospel, John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, all right? So he came into a dark and broken world. He comes into broken lives like ours, and he gives life. But the analogy he gave, I hope you caught it earlier, was, was when John said this, in him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. In other words, when Jesus sees a place that needs his life and his hope, nothing can stop him from bringing life and hope into that place. Light versus dark is no contest, okay? And if there's a great picture for you to picture that, and maybe tonight and in the weeks ahead, how about the next time you walk into a room that's completely dark? And so we walk into that room, and what do we do? We reach for the switch, and we, we flip that switch on, and boom, that, that whole room is lit up. I'm assuming, like I hope your wiring is good, your bulbs are all working, but in most places that happens. Like we don't even think about it, we just know that's what happens. That at 186,000 miles per second, light just fills the room. Like I have never had a room where I flip that switch on and like light starts trying to go through some of the room, but then this dark wave calms and kind of pushes it out and squelches it out, right? And you go, oh, nuts. I guess darkness won tonight, so I can't read my book, right? Or I have to stumble through my room. Like light wins every time when it's light versus dark. And that's the picture John is painting there of the power of Jesus that when uh, there is a dark place when, when his life is pled for, is sought, and God, would you come? Would you bring light in my darkness? Nothing can stop Jesus from pouring his life into places of, of darkness and places of pain. That's, that's my point I want us to catch tonight because uh, maybe we have a different concept of what Jesus came to do or what his world was like when he came to his world. His world was a very dark world. He came to people that were crying out in great need, people who were being oppressed, um, people who were impoverished, people who saw injustice, people who were living through so many hard things, and yet they were crying out to God for rescue and for a savior, and that's why Jesus came. And so today, our world, we maybe are, we think we're smarter. Uh, we, we got more stuff. We got iPhones. Like, we got, we got all of this, but if you read about what's happening in our world. There's a lot of darkness. I'd say darkness out there and darkness in here. 
Uh, we hear a lot of just some sad things in our world, like trafficking and abuse and poverty and injustice and oppression. And there's just so much, again, that we can just look around the world and see, uh, in spite of all that we have, there's still so much that's dark and broken in the world. We also see, though, if we're completely honest, like we look within ourselves, and there's some darkness there as well. Um, it's interesting how psychologists are calling it a loneliness epidemic that's, ha- that's hitting our culture today. We can be around so many people, have so much stuff, but yet feel alone. Or how like discouragement, depression, and suicide rates are just increasing through all demographics. Like the life expectancy in our country in the last three years has started going down. And that's it's staggering with all the advances we have. And again, it's because of a lot of addiction, opioid, opioid addiction and abuse and, and suicide rates just kind of bringing that that all down. So it is so clear we are in a dark world that we are a people that need rescue and that need a savior. Uh, there's a guy whose name is Daniel Darling. It's a cute name. My mom would love that name, right? Hey, Daniel Darling. So, but that's his name. But he's written a really cool book recently about the characters of Christmas. And when he writes about Jesus, he reminds us this, that Jesus entered a world that is as deeply broken as ours. He was not born into power or privilege, but he came as a vulnerable baby to peasant parents in a forgotten town on the backside of the Roman Empire. And if we were writing that story, we wouldn't have placed the Savior of the world in Bethlehem with two poor kids from Nazareth. So the message of Christmas is not that you have to hide your pain and stash away your sorrow in some imaginary retelling of your story, but you bring your pain to the one who offers us rest. Advent is full of joy and sorrow, light and darkness. That child beckons whether you think it is the most wonderful time of the year or if you're just trying to make it through December. My prayer tonight is that we would see the glory of Jesus and what he offers to come and do in our lives. And he offers to come and bring us light and to bring us life. And nothing can stop him from doing that. And guys, um, I'll just say one of the privileges for me about being a pastor, it's not just like getting to see a bunch of you guys on a night like this, it's awesome. But over the course of this last year, I had the privilege to study this stuff about Jesus, to teach it and talk about it with people, but then to have a front row seat and just actually see this stuff take root in people's lives and see them change. Like two quick stories, just so you know, like this, is, this isn't just theory, this isn't just religion, this is what Jesus can do in your life, what he can do in my life. So uh, there's a woman that my wife and I have known for a long time, and we, we got to know her when she was beginning her walk with Jesus, her relationship with Jesus. We saw her grow uh, as a Christian. We saw her later in her life really used by Jesus to help a lot of other people see Jesus, maybe one of the most fruitful people we know. And then a few years ago, some, one of the hardest things that someone close to me has had to walk through happened to her. Something just kind of blew up in her life. And I got to see her uh, last week, and she was just telling me the story about how in the first couple years of what she's been walking through, like she wondered if there would ever be a day again where she could have hope or where she could be encouraged, or think that something positive about her future was going to happen. And I have seen people love her and walk with her, and for her to tenaciously hang on to Jesus. And what's been so cool is she's told me about the last six months or so that there has been hope, that there is restored joy, and that there was a day, and then two or three days clumped together, and then a week where there was joy and there was hope. And to the point now where her eyes 
you know, are, are up now and looking, and there are other women in her life that are walking through some similar things, and now God is pointing her to them and say, go tell them about what I've done for you. Go tell them about the light that I've shown in your dark places. And she just spoke with such joy. Guys, I just couldn't help but to just to choke up and to get goosebumps about how God has been moving in her life. It's real. And guys, there's a guy in our room tonight. I told him I'm going to talk about him, but I won't say his name. But if you are part of the Parkview family, you heard his story earlier this year. There's a man who um, was uh, bound in some chains of addiction who, when he looks back on what he's done in the past, there's some very painful things he's done to some other people to the point where he even wondered, like, is there any hope for him? i never forget the day I met him in the foyer when he asked me, do you guys help people find God here? And I said, we try, like, we'd love to work with you, and I'll never forget a conversation in my office where he says, well, I need to learn about Jesus because I want to make sure my kids will go to heaven. I know I can't. I know I won't because of what I've done, but I want to learn all I can so I can be a bridge to make sure my kids go to heaven. And I think I asked him something like this, are you telling me you're a better dad than God? And he's like, no, no, of course. I'm not saying that. I say, well, listen, like just as beautiful as your heart was right then, you'll do anything you can so that your kids can go to heaven. Can I just tell you, you have a father in heaven that loves you way more than you love your kids, and he's done anything he could do to make sure you get to heaven. He had his son, Jesus Christ, come live on this earth, die for your sins. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can be forgiven too. I think that just completely was off his radar. I thought there was no way that could happen. To the point now where, I remember it was a couple months ago, this guy came up to me and said, do you think, do you think God could use me to help some people that were kind of trapped in the stuff I was trapped in? I said, absolutely. Like, let's go. Let's see that happen. Let's see God shine that light through you to other people. And guys, I just say that again, just to remind all of us tonight, whatever that dark place is in our lives, like John said it, and Jesus is absolutely powerful. Nothing can stop the light and the life of Jesus from breaking through any darkness that's in this room tonight. So I want us to know that. And so um, the bottom line here of this whole gospel, I think if John were here, he'd say, hey, make sure you tell him this verse. Okay? Like, so how does this happen? How do we have Jesus engage and in, in come into our lives and change us? I think John would say, make sure you read this verse to everybody. It's John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. And when I get the chance to explain that to people, I like to use this illustration, okay? So that's why this, this package is up here, okay? So here we're going to open this up, and I want you all to pretend like that this is a box in your name. It's like big old name tag coming off here, right? And your name is on that. And this is how I like to explain the gospel, is that, is that Jesus is offering you the gospel, and it's like a gift. He wants to give you a gift. And what he's asking you to do tonight is take that gift. The way you take the gift is get putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for me, and I believe that you want to give me this gift of the gospel. So here's, here's the analogy I like to use. So you open this gift... And it's like a gift that there's three gifts inside here. You go, wow, this is really cool. There's three in here. So let me tell you what Jesus offers to do for you. The first one is he offers to forgive us our sins, okay? Every one of us in this room, that's our big problem. That's where the darkness is coming from. It's not just darkness out there, but every one of us has rebelled against God. The Bible calls that sin. That cuts us off from 
God, and that's why there is darkness in our lives. But Jesus offers to, to forgive us our sins, okay? So that's one of the gifts in this gospel. Another one is super powerful too. It's the gift of eternal life. And so we just read it in John 3.16 that when you die, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life, right? So that means from the moment you receive this gift throughout all of eternity, you are always with Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that he's super excited about that too. It's not like his eyes are going to roll. It's like, oh no, I got to put up with Doug for all of eternity. It's like, no, he prayed for that. He prayed, Father, I want my people to see my glory for all of eternity. I want them to be with me. So so that's a gift that God would love to, you to know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven with him forever. But it also means that the life you live now is a, is a quality of life you're not going to find anywhere else because the Son of God is walking with you. Jesus is living with you. That's an amazing gift in the gospel. So you're forgiven of your sins. You're given eternal life. And then this, this one is absolutely powerful as well, that you will now have the power to change that he wants to come into our lives and help us become more and more like him, all right? So I don't know if you've never taken this gift tonight. Like, you might be thinking, there is no way God would accept somebody like me. I just want you to know the Bible, John three sixteen said, whoever believes in him. Like, there's no restriction. Whoever believes in Jesus will not perish by everlasting life. So he'll take anybody where you are, okay? But here's the deal is that he loves us too much to let us stay there. He's going to commit to helping us grow and become more and more like him. So if you are responding to the gospel, to this gift tonight, you are asking Jesus to forgive your sins, to give you eternal life, and then to come into your life and help you become who he created you to be, all right? And so, and so I just want to encourage you tonight. Like I was thinking earlier today, this date, there's something cool about this date uh, not that it's just one of the warmest days in Iowa ever, and I'm sweating like crazy on Christmas Eve. But what's cool is, like, this is December 24th, 2019. Like, that's pretty memorable. End of the decade, last Christmas in a decade, could be the day that you begin this whole deal with Jesus, that you take this gift and walk through these gifts and see him shine light into your darkness, begin to change you, and then even begin to use you to shine his light to the darkness that's around you and the people around you that need him as well. What a beautiful day. And so if this is the day you'd like to start that, um, I, I'm just going to say a prayer here in a little bit. And that'd be a time if you just wanted to pray quietly where you are and just ask Jesus uh, to forgive you, give you eternal life, and to help you change and just put your faith in him to do that. That'd be a beautiful place to start, all right? We had a guy here last hour that did that a couple weeks ago, and this was his first Christmas, like really understanding who Jesus is. That's really cool, all right? So, but if you've already taken this gift tonight, I just want you to be reminded of why Jesus came, that whatever it is that you're battling still, whatever darkness is there, discouragement, fear, worry, just know that Jesus has come to be with you and to help you through that and that nothing can stop his light from shining in your darkness. So let's pray, and then um, I'll wrap up here. So, Jesus, thank you that you did come, that you are God in the flesh, that you came to be with us, that you are full of grace and truth, that you came to sinful people like us, and you gave us grace, you gave us life. Lord, I just pray if there's anybody here, that maybe even in this moment they would just say, uh, Jesus, I received that gift from you. Please forgive me. Please give me new life, eternal life. And please do a work in me. Change me. Give me the power to change. 
and to become more like you. God, for those of us that know you, I just pray this is a season where we ask you very specifically to shine your light in our dark places and to give us life, to remind us of who you are and what you've done for us and that we would be even more and more effective at just showing your light in a dark world. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for what you've done for us. In your great name we pray, amen. Hey, one more quick thing before I step off. You got some cards when you came in tonight. That little deal on the bottom tears off. And if there's a way, if you'd like to communicate with us tonight that you want to be sure that you understand what we just talked about, like I or one of the leaders here would love to meet with you and make sure you know like what the gospel is. Or if you want to tell us tonight, like some people did last hour, like, hey, I did that. Like I received that gift. Like that'd be a beautiful way for you to do that. Or how we can pray for you, how we can help you. So it's been great to be with you.